Gracious God, let these words be more than words. Give us the spirit of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. We wish to see Jesus. Today some Greeks make a request bigger than they know. Perhaps all of us do the same. Coming to church week in and week out, making our way together on this pilgrim journey, we state with our actions, if not always, in our words. We wish to see Jesus. Do we know how that desire will change us? Do we understand that seeing Jesus, really seeing Jesus, might ask more of us than we're ready to offer? Are we ready to see Jesus? Are we ready to offer our whole selves for the chance? Throughout Lent, the parish guild has been reading a collection of essays on the lives of the saints. And some of these saints are very official, like Mary Magdalene who gave her wealth to the early disciples, gave her identity to become the first apostle, the one sent out to the other apostles. And some of the saints are a bit more in process, like Archbishop Oscar Romero, who gave his church, his voice, and his life for the poor of El Salvador. Some of the figures in the book are more controversial figures, like Dorothy Day, the Catholic laywoman who dedicated herself to protesting all war. She even protested World War II. And she founded a Catholic worker communities that feed, clothe, and house the homeless. The title of this book that the Guild is reading fits well with our gospel today. Not less than everything. These saints gave not less than everything for the sake of God's kingdom. A few weeks ago, I preached a sermon about the importance of saying no. In this Lenten season, this time of fasting, of slowing down, of giving things up, there is a value to learning to say no. Today, I want to talk about the word yes. Some of you may hear a bit of fundamentalism in this statement, but I'm going to make it nevertheless. I believe Jesus wants you to say yes. I believe God wants you to say yes. I say there's a fundamentalism, and to a degree that's true. Fundamentally, I believe God invites us to a deeper life, a richer life, a more meaningful life. Now, don't worry. I'm not about to ask you to make your way down this aisle to profess your faith before the congregation. We're Episcopalians, after all. We don't do altar calls. Or is that true? Don't we invite you to the altar each and every week? Part of being a sacramental Christian is to know that we come down this aisle again and again. Every week is an altar call. And the yes to Jesus is cumulative. Each week we make our way down that dusty track. Each week, each day, each moment, we say yes. God invites us to be a part of a movement working to bring health, justice, and wholeness. But we have to say yes. Consent matters to God. There's a danger in casting the decision around Jesus as a simple yes or no. 
We are a very binary culture. We build a lot of black and white distinctions. We carry in our pockets little computers which endlessly process yeses or noes. All the constant this or that means that we think of choices in a very momentary way. The yes Jesus invites us to, I don't think it's that simple. The church has sometimes portrayed the choice yes or no to Jesus as something you can say once and be done. To a degree, faith does work like this. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest, says Jesus. And to a degree, we can make momentary decisions to embrace the life of faith, to let go and let God, as some say. Christ does invite us in each moment to say yes, but that kind of yes, the quick, the momentary, I don't believe expresses the fullness of the yes God desires, the yes Jesus invites us to make in the gospel this morning. The yes we are invited to is deeper. As I said earlier, I think part of that yes is cumulative. God wants not less than everything, not less than our full self, our full life. The yes Jesus desires is total. Our culture is digital, but this tension between the simple yes and the deeper affirmation, it's as old as the church. There's a story from the Desert Fathers, the early saints of the first centuries after Jesus. In the story, a young monk comes to see Abba Joseph, a wizened old teacher. And the young monk says to him, Abba, as far as I can, I say my little office. I fast a little, I pray and meditate. I live in peace as far as I can. I purify my thoughts. What else can I do? Then the old man stood up, stretched his hands towards heaven. His fingers became like 10 lamps of fire. And he said to him, if you will, you can become all flame. There's a reason Jesus talks today about losing your life. Jesus invites us to follow, and following Jesus is costly. As the theologian Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, Christ's grace is free, but it is not cheap. Saying yes means knowing the cost of discipleship. But as Abba Joseph hints, the cost has benefit. I'm going to do something a little controversial now. I'm going to ask you to change the translation of the Bible. So take a look at those yellow leaflets that we handed out, the inserts. Turn to the Gospel. And take out a pen or a pencil. There should be some in your pews. In the penultimate sentence, the second to the last in that gospel, I want you to find the word people. I want you to find that word people and cross it out. The word does not appear in the Greek original of John's gospel. And I think the word carries a great deal of meaning here. If Jesus is saying that on the cross when he is lifted up, he will draw all people to himself, then the statement is pretty clear. 
Christ is concerned about the salvation of each and every last person on earth. And while I believe that is true, I think Jesus has something even more radical in mind in this saying. Pantas, the word in Greek, has a bigger sense than the total number of people. I wonder if Jesus here isn't saying that all means all, the whole, the entirety. When I am lifted up, I will draw all to myself, all, no qualifier. On the cross, Jesus offers all of himself. On the cross, God offers all of God's self, all. And in that offering, God draws the whole world into the saving embrace of those outstretched arms. How often in life do we hold a little of ourselves back? How often do we keep some part hidden, tucked away? How often do we say, if people knew this about me, they wouldn't respect me, they might not love me. Church can be a particularly difficult spot because even at a place like Holy Communion, church often carries a veneer of presentability. Even in a church where most of us don't worry about putting on heels or pearls, sport coats or ties, in a space where we say we worry less about wearing our Sunday best, maybe we still watch our behavior a bit. At least some of us swear a little less here than in other places, maybe. <laughs> I say that to make you laugh, but also because church can be, has been, a fraught place where we are supposed to make ourselves look presentable. God has no interest in your presentable self. God doesn't care about the version of you that looks like you have life together. Jesus says, when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all to myself. All. No part of you gets to stay hidden. As the collect for purity we often say here has it, to you all hearts are open, all desires known, from you no secrets are hid. God knows it all, and God invites your whole self into the arms of mercy. God says yes. God looks at you, at your life, your whole life, and says yes. Ellis and I went last week on opening night to see Ava DuVernay's adaptation of Madeline Lingle's A Wrinkle in Time. The movie is not exactly the book, but both versions are worth your time, in my opinion. The book was groundbreaking at the time. Madeline Lingle, an Episcopalian, wrote one of the first science fiction novels featuring a young girl as a protagonist. Ava DuVernay has upped the ante. Young Meg isn't just a young girl, she's biracial. She's got an adopted brother. She has a non-traditional family. The most compelling moment in the novel and in the book come towards the end. And don't worry, this isn't really a spoiler. It's something that's faced throughout the movie. To overcome the great challenge she faces as the protagonist, Meg, 
has to learn to see her vulnerabilities as strength. This is what makes Madeline's story so different than most heroes' journeys. Meg doesn't need to transcend her flaws. She needs to embrace them. She is not her full self if she does not accept what makes her vulnerable. And she has to show up her full self to the challenge. A Wrinkle in Time, in this way, has some profound theology. No bit of you is irredeemable. No part of your story needs to be left out with God. All of what, you brought, all of what brought you to this day matters, has shaped you. And all, all, all will help you to follow Jesus. That is the power of God's yes. The word all can seem intimidating and exhausting. To be asked for your all is frightening, and it should be. In any other hands, for any other cause, giving your all would be a waste. But Christians believe that all of you already belongs to God. All, all of who you are belongs to God. You come from God, and to God you will return. Your life is God's. You are already caught up in the movement toward the kingdom of God. This is true for the whole cosmos, the whole creation. Every bit belongs to God, and all will return to God. In this sense, saying yes, giving your all, is a surrender to the deep rhythms of creation. Saying yes to giving your whole life is to say yes fully and deeply to who you were created to be. Saying yes still is not that easy. But when we get this yes, it can be enlivening rather than exhausting. Saying yes to God is saying yes to the mystery of our own being. We find ourselves today just a week from Palm Sunday. We're on our way to Calvary. In the days to come, we will have the opportunity to march together through the streets, to dance with palm branches. We will wash feet, celebrate Eucharist, contemplate the hard wood of the cross. Together we will hear again the Easter proclamation, Christ is risen. I'll say again what one of my priests once said to me, Your Easter joy will be in direct proportion to the amount of time you invest in Holy Week at church. As we prepare to begin this journey together, as we tell the story of Jesus' last days again, today's gospel has a question. Do you wish to see Jesus? Do you trust that Christ sees you, all of you, your whole self, your whole story, that all of you has come within Christ's saving embrace. God says yes, and God invites you to give your whole self, not less than everything, as you follow Jesus. It's a big ask. Will you say yes? Amen.